Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and welcome to the Backstage Show. This week on the Backstage Show, we're trying something a little bit different. Quite a bit different, in fact. Uh, normally, when we record these podcast episodes, we're in the same location, but not this time. We decided we couldn't really stand being in, in the same room with each other anymore. Yeah, so. we, uh, we had our agents negotiate this arrangement such that we didn't actually have to record the podcast together in the same place. Yeah, so if we sound a little bit different than usual, well, actually, Jim probably sounds the same. If anyone sounds different, it's me. Yes, I'm in uh, the normal studio that we have recorded multiple episodes before. And I'm in my basement <laughs> bar. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Home studio, I should say. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're, we're connected over Skype so we can watch each other and uh, keep each other honest, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but beyond that, everything is as usual, and we've got our topic ready for today. Yeah, we're trying something a little bit different today. We, uh, we have decided to independently come up with a top five list focusing on audience distractions, that is, distractions coming from the audience that affect the actors on stage. Or potentially the stage manager or whoever else is working on stage at the time. Well, that too. And, yes. and it could be things that would also distract other people in the audience as well, but we're generally focusing yeah. more so from the on-stage perspective, I should say. Yes. So audience distractions, we each came up with our own individual top five lists. Yes, and we have not shared them with one another. So this will be kind of an interesting exercise. If you like this sort of thing and want us to tackle more top five lists, you can taco. Always... Taco? Did I say taco? It sounded like taco. You said oh, taco. top five tacos. What? Tackle. I think you meant. tackle. Yes, I went with tackle. <laughs> I'm sure it comes out perfectly good on the recording. It's the Skype that we can't quite right. trust. Right. <laughs> so if you want to hear us tackle or taco more of these top five lists or this kind of thing, you can shoot us an email at podcast at backstage link. Indeed. We, uh, As always. We were talking about uh, adopting this kind of format for a couple future episodes, so you might see hear more of this thing in the future. More, hear this, more of this kind of thing in the future. <laughs> more, more. Yes, more. <laughs> more, yes. Have some. Hungry, more. <laughs> okay, before we get too far off track, since you're in the home studio, why don't you start and uh, give us your number five audience description? Sure. Okay, this is uh, working backwards from... Not so distracting to most distracting. So number five on my list is, uh, this is a rather unusual one because it's really specific to the arrangement of the theater. Some of the theaters that I have worked in basically have the audience sitting literally right in front of the stage, and the stage itself is almost exactly at the same level as the front row. So mm -hmm. this in particular, this is Playcrafters and Skipback. And what can happen is... People in the front row may have a tendency to actually rest their feet on the stage. <laughs> Which I have, I've got the same one on my list. But no go kidding. Ahead. <laughs> so it's a little bit weird because you, you're, for one thing, the audience is practically right on top of you as an actor anyway, and the fact that they're, they've got their feet on the stage, and depending on where you, your blocking is, where you have to walk, that might be a problem, or they might get in your way, and. I suspect, Glenn, that you also have this on your list because this is not the only theater where it occurs. No, I would say a lot of the ones where I've worked, it has that. I mean, uh, 
Yeah, Play Crafters has that fairly low curve proscenium that is almost as low as the as the the floor, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's not maybe like a, it's maybe like a step up from the floor, if that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so even half a that. step. Barley Sheaf is higher than that. I mean, it's it's like almost normal stage height, I'd say. Yeah, maybe I a little quite on a bit the low higher. side. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely quite a bit higher than that. But I I don't. I mean, it's not like you know. I, I think a full large theater proscenium would be higher than than barley sheaf stages but regardless okay the issue there is that their front row is just as close to the stage as the second row is to the front row so there's like you know barely enough room for your knees there so what i specifically listed was personal items slash programs placed on the edge of the stage Ah, okay so sometimes you'll get feet up there but that's (laughs) a bit more of a stretch of barley sheep so people will just put their programs down on the stage put their purse down on the stage i've been in shows where uh, actors have just kicked stuff back into the audience (laughs) and forge also is a similar thing yeah i think i remember i think i remember that forge ran into that and it kind of depends on their seating arrangement but yeah it could very well be that the front row is at same level as the stage. So yeah, and they can be right there. I mean, I think I've talked about the uh, the chess match that I had to play when I did uh, the Haunting of Hill House, where we had an audience member that would several audience members really. The, the front row was right up to where our chess table was, and they could watch the whole game. And we had people at some points whisper that they weren't making a proper move. But that's, I think, less. <laughs> we'll of a get problem. to that later. <laughs> yeah, but if you put your feet on on the quote stage unquote in that sort of situation it's it's a little different because it's not there there's not as much of a border between audience and yeah it's actors. kind of breaking the illusion as it yeah. were yeah yeah so you're kind of breaking a plane as opposed to yeah. literally putting your feet up on a stage right so that's my that's my number 5 so that was my number 4 my number 5 okay. at slightly less annoying to that is just general movement from the audience members and that includes latecomers to the show so you know it depends on the theater sometimes they'll seat latecomers sometimes they won't guess what that but, was my, my number four <laughs> so we just flip-flop forward uh, we didn't <laughs> plan this well at all did we well no i i think that was kind of the point was to not plan it okay but it's i mean really how many audience distractions are there i mean are there more than yeah five? it's probably we'll gonna be a short list the same. i was yeah. actually thinking about abbreviating mine to a top three but Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I I hung in there and came up with two more. I toughed it out. <laughs> uh, well, perhaps in the future we should switch it to a top three. If you think it should be switched to a top three, <laughs> send us an email at podcast at backstage.link. Thanks for the plug, Glenn. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Both uh, of our email address. Kind of, so. piggyback, kind of piggyback on that since that's your number five and my number four. Yeah, I know some theaters have had different policies related to that. I remember one time I was late for... Probably one of the only times I think I was actually late to see a show. I'm usually pretty good about that. But yeah. I believe in that case, they did not let anybody into the theater until the first scene was over. Yeah, I think a lot of theaters will do it that way, that they'll only seat during scene breaks. But in other cases, there isn't necessarily somebody always you know, policing the lobby that way. Kind of depends mm-hmm. on the setup of the theater, too. The case I'm thinking of was a case where... You, there wasn't really a lobby to this theater per se, or at least the lobby was not connected to the theater. This was a play crafters again. So you actually yeah. come into the theater directly from outside. So True. it's understandable that they had a policy not to let anybody, you know, walk right in from outside in the middle of the performance. But most theaters, I think, 
just have the lobby adjacent to the house and kind of mm-hmm. let people in. And if you're an actor on stage, you can see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's usually because there's at least some light in the lobby most of the time. So like when they pull back a curtain or open a door, that kind of lets light in here immediately. And even if it's not that, then they need to have like a flashlight or something to show people where their seats are. Yeah, or even just silhouettes you can kind of make out. Mm-hmm. Based it can on be distracting for sure. Whatever residual stage lighting is heading out that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of my number four, kind of picking back onto this again, yeah. uh, was to say people arriving or leaving during the show. Yeah, I've seen that too. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, it's one thing, I think, and I'll get to this probably a little bit later. If it's one thing if you have to leave for some reason for a personal emergency or, right. you know, you're coughing uncontrollably or something like that. But as opposed to say somebody just leaving because they don't feel like watching the show anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if, if I can't I don't know if I've ever actually noticed that happening per se, but I the only time I had it happen in a show that I was in was the first show I ever did was uh, all on the timing, but that was a collection of one acts or vignettes, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and it was not the one that I was in. I was okay. in the lobby, I think, waiting to go on, and, and people, not only did they walk out in the middle of the show, but they had a very loud conversation with the director in the lobby complaining about the language in the show. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, and, I mean, I really put and other movement was, was I, what I literally put, because I've seen, like, people decide that they're going to switch seats or they're going to swap seats with somebody. Yeah, or, yeah. Anything, any large movements in the audience can really just catch your eye. Yeah, I agree. My eye. No, I agree with you completely. So, what's your number three? My number three, kind of related to that, not so much movement, but more in the way of noises. And I'm going to mostly go on the (laughs) on the realm of involuntary noises for this particular one. Okay. So things like coughing, sneezing, sniffling. Heavy breathing. Sometimes, you know, people Ooh. have breathing problems, so mm-hmm. they're they're audible breathers. <laughs> and the thing is, too, with a lot of theaters, because the idea is to try to have so, some element of acoustics in the theaters so right. that the actor's voice can be heard in the audience. Well, it works both ways. Mm-hmm. So and sometimes that... the audience noise gets carried throughout the house just as well. And that was my number two. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> and I'm wondering if my number three is going to be your number two. Probably not. Well, Because well, I think that could be part of your number three. Well, there's my one. My number three. Sorry. Sorry. There's one uh, one specific that I I probably mentioned it before, but it was a really unusual one, was hearing aid feedback. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would definitely bug me. Particularly, I'm sure it really bugged you as a sound person. Well, I wasn't doing sound for the particular show where it had occurred. I believe it was one I had directed, but... Mm-hmm. Everybody could hear it, and I think it was just by virtue of probably wherever this person happened to be sitting relative to the mm-hmm. sound system in the house, but it was really high-frequency annoying. Yeah. See, I, I put as my number two was talking slash verbal noise in the audience, so things like coughing. I, I mean, you know, when you get the whole the whispering and... I made a dis- of uh, mysteries and things. Yeah, I made a distinction with this one because these are things that it's not like somebody's deliberately or carelessly trying to be distracting. It's just they can't help it. Right. But it does have a distracting effect, unfortunately. So you're talking more uh, less involuntary about talking. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll get to that later. 
<laughs> or very soon. <laughs> well, right. okay. So, so your number three. And we can, I guess, talk about that when we get to your number two, which sounds a little more similar to mine. But my number three was very specific, and that was unwrapping anything. Okay. You know, and it's it's usually like if you're unwrapping a lozenge or a hard candy or something like that. And yes. that tends to be the most common one. And I don't know what it is about cellophane, but people seem to think if you do it slower, it's going to be quieter, but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I've actually, there is a scientific test that I have read about unwrapping cellophane candies. I know that sounds crazy, but look it up. It does exist. And the determination was that the volume does not change with the speed at which you open it. And I wish I had some cellophane here that I could test this with and... <laughs> And indicated I could probably go find some. Should we pause this while I go find some cellophane? <laughs> I think I have some in the kitchen. Yeah, let's let's, let's just to, move on. With, I'd have to uh, run downstairs to get it, but um, yeah, clearly that's why it's mentioned in the curtain speech. Yeah, these these things, folks, these really do distract the actors, and it's a hard enough thing, you know, being up there, remembering your blocking, remembering your lines, doing the best you can, and to be pulled out of that is well, not good. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it definitely, well, it's a distraction. It, it pulls you out of the moment. Yeah, yeah. In a nutshell. So my so number two. two. My, yep. no, my number two takes that to the next level, and this is specifically talking or commentary coming from the audience. Yeah, so I had talking slash verbal noise So as my number two, so I guess it's kind of the same. Pretty much. I mean, this is where, you know, people are literally not making an effort to be quiet in terms of things that they can control. Yeah, I mean, what's annoying is sometimes people are commenting on the show and they are, like, making a concerted effort to be quiet about it, but, I mean, even whispering during the show. Oh, yeah. you, you've got to get... I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be a little ageist here, but I think when you're starting to hit 60-plus years old and your hearing is probably starting to go, so you're probably not being as quiet as you think you are. Maybe I'm guilty of it because I do know during shows I will sometimes lean over to my wife and whisper something in her ear. But I feel like I'm being quiet enough so that only she can hear me. I'm very, very conscious about that. Right. And I will whisper like directly into her ear. Right. And your hearing is probably relatively good, I would say, to be able to make that distinction. I hope. I'm not <laughs> positive for that, but I hope it still is. All right. Well, next time you're on stage or next time I'm on stage, whenever that happens and and if you happen to see it, then whisper into your wife's ear, and I'll let you know if I heard it. <laughs> I, will, I will do that. <laughs> we'll do but a science experiment. That, that, I, I mean, it's like people are at home watching their TV. Exactly. So feel like they can yeah. make comments on I was, this. And... I was going to say the same thing, and I think we talked about this before. I, I think, you know, a lot of, I'll say older, again, not to be ageist, but, mm-hmm. you know, as we have talked about before, a number of patrons of theater have typically been older, but... Some people who come out to see a theater kind of treat it as the same experience as if they're home watching television. Yep. And of course, yep. obviously, the show's pre recorded, or even if it isn't, they can't hear you anyway. So you can <laughs> say whatever you want back to the TV or to your partner or whatever. But yeah. So I think it's just a habit, a routine. You know, some of the times it might just be like, what did he say? Or what's hap- What's mm-hmm. going on there? You know, because they're actually. What's happening? Yeah, right. <laughs> we had that from uh, Ashley. Yes commenting on that what is happening <laughs> you know because at least in that case they're actively trying to follow along with what's going on in the show so they're invested in right, it they're interested right. in it as opposed to just kind of making their own personal commentary about it 
mm-hmm. which they don't really have to do at the moment. No. Or, you know, <laughs> try to hold their comments to themselves and tell people during intermission or something. Mm-hmm. You know, again, because of what I was saying earlier with the acoustics, all of that yeah. kind of stuff just picks up really well. And I've told, I've talked about, you know, experiences where if the audience is right on top of you, in my case, I can distinctly hear what they're saying or what they're talking oh, yeah. about the show, as you Absolutely. just did earlier with the chess match. Yes. <laughs> or the guy on the couch. Is he dead? No, he's moving. He's only sleeping. Yeah. Well, that was uh, the first show that I directed. Uh, there, there was a guy that was supposed to be, I, I guess it's in a later scene, they discover the body, but it kind of has to be on stage for the whole thing. So he would actually get onto a couch on the stage and cover himself up with a blanket before the house opened. Right. So he was already lying there for like 15 minutes before Ugh. the show even started. That's and then commitment. He's not on. And he's not even on till like the second scene. So he's lying there the whole time. And people would, once the show started, be like, there's somebody lying there. There's somebody there. Oh, he's not dead. Well, yeah, obviously he's not dead. This is theater. He's pretending. He's acting like he's dead. Right. So there was that. And, and it, this was also the same show where there was one night, act two starts, the lights go up. This is Steve Schultz, who was on last week. Clean shaven at the time, younger, darker hair. And he's somewhat, shall we say, lantern-jawed, resembling the former host of The Tonight Show. Uh, So somebody at the beginning of the second act, you can distinctly hear somebody go, he looks like Jay Leno. (laughs) You know, folks, it's not necessary to comment this out loud. You can lean very close to your little compatriot that you're there with and go, he looks like Jay Leno. But to say it as loud as they said it was just like, why would you do that? Uh, I... I, I think it's just habit, probably. I guess, I guess. I, I, but I guess you know, sometimes people don't realize that it, it's uh, a two-way feedback system. So the mm-hmm. the actors get you know get feedback from the audience and kind of respond in kind. It's almost like a a live concert, in, in a way. Yeah. Um, so it's not like, and you know, we, we talked in the past a couple episodes back about professional expectations of a patron, you know, of community theater and maybe right. some people go in thinking oh th- they're they're good enough that they shouldn't be distracted by anything i do or say i don't know that or they're thinking well this isn't professional theater i don't need to behave like i'm going to a professional theater i think if you're going to be expecting a professional performance professional level then you need to act professional in the audience i think it goes both ways i'm not disagreeing with you yeah I mean, you know, you're talking about how it's kind of a two-way thing and the and the actors can feed off the audience in that way. That's like something that is a challenge often in and of itself. Like in a comedy, when when you're doing really well in a comedy, you're going to get a lot of laughter, right. a lot of feedback from the audience. And sometimes just that alone, it's difficult to not react to the laughter. And, you know, there are some actors that start to play it up and try to get more laughter than the the particular role a particular moment really yeah is aiming for so it's it's a it's enough of a difficulty just finding that balance under normal circumstances but when you have people starting to go uh, oh i don't think he's the killer or you know <laughs> or i did it or whatever they're gonna do <laughs> yeah it, it's and this is something that's not usually in a curtain speech either it's not often where you go please refrain from unnecessary talking that's a good point, and maybe it should be. I mean, yeah. that's something to think about because I, I, I think a lot of people have probably, you know, experienced it 
and have probably found it somewhat distracting. I know I have. And they don't, you know, and unfortunately, if it happens in the middle of the show, it almost becomes more distracting to have an usher come around and remind people to shush up. Yeah, <laughs> that makes yeah. it worse <laughs> in a way. So uh, I'm guessing based on what we've discussed so far in our bottom four, that our number one has got to be the same. It could well be, but uh, all right. So we covered your number two, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. My right. my number two was pretty much the same as yours. Was talking. Okay, we covered your number two. Okay, out of context, that's so wrong. <laughs> all right. So my number one, and I thought of another one, which is mm-hmm. kind of a side comment, but we can talk okay. about that afterward. But my number one <laughs> is the dreaded electronic devices being used during the show. Yep, that's pretty much. I had I specifically had cell phone use, but well, yeah. I'm gonna expand the category a little bit being somewhat broader because well as we all know most curtain speeches do cover please silence all cell phones and electronic devices unfortunately it's been my experience that even despite this plea this passion Mm -hmm. plea impassioned plea at the beginning of a show people ignore it and they're still using their phones during the show and it's not always like the sounds that the phone makes sometimes it's the light coming from the screen which the actors can see yeah, because it lights up your face, and it exactly. doesn't matter how much you try to hide it. If you can see your screen, which is lit up, then we can see your face. That's really what it comes down to. Exactly. So it's not just purely the matter of the noise coming from the phone or the mm-hmm. suppressed noise or the vibration, what have you. It's the brightness of the screen, and it, it's not only it's not only the actors who can see it. It's other audience members around that person who can also see it, and it's distracting. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, I, I, I had written down, I put cell phone use, ringing, checking, talking. <laughs> so that pretty much covers all of it. Playing I mean, games? You know, <laughs> yeah, people play. I, I've seen people playing games during a show or texting people or things like that. And I mean, you know, the, the last time I saw something that was like really bad where somebody was just using their phone through the whole show, this was in the back. So I didn't really... I don't know how distracting that was from the stage because they were literally in the back row and I was just behind them because I was involved with the show. Right. So, but even that, it's like, why are you bothering to pay money to go to the show if you're just going to sit and text through it? Was it a critic? Uh, not that I'm aware of. It was. <laughs> it was a kid. It was a teenager. Oh, uh, probably not then. Yeah. But I could imagine potentially a critic might be taking notes during a show. Yeah, that's certainly possible. That, that would be the that only, might be the only way they can see. actually see what they're writing because yeah. otherwise they're sitting in the dark with a notepad. You need a light-up pen in that uh, circumstance. (laughs) But at any rate, yeah, massive distraction. I remember in the last couple shows that I directed, I can remember the assistant, at least in one of the cases, assistant director, reminding people during intermission rather, you know, insistently, please do not use your cell phones. Turn them off. Yeah, I've, I've heard many variations on it, but I... It's been a very long time since I've been to a show that doesn't at least mention it in their curtain speech. That includes the last show that I was in the audience of. And yet, despite the fact that this was in the curtain speech, two separate occasions, cell phones rang during the production. Yeah. I had a show that I was in once where not only did we hear the cell phone ring, but they picked up the call <laughs> in the middle of a scene. Hi. Like, I, I, I can't I'm imagine. at the theater. Yeah. No, I'm going to oh. be, it's like, I don't know. It kind of stinks, but it's going to be done in an hour. Yeah, what? They're looking at me now. I don't know. I don't know why they're looking at me. So I'll meet you at like 1030. 
It's just, there can't possibly be anything that important. And if you're expecting a call that important, don't go to the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I really honestly don't know what else to say. It's just, it's sad. <laughs> yeah. I, my, my wife is a doctor. She has a pager. Okay, If she fine. goes to a show, if she's on call, though, she puts the pager on vibrate. Yeah, and I, I don't know about all phones, but certainly my phone, when it's in vibrate mode and it's in a protective case and it's in a pouch that's on my belt, the vibration is pretty well suppressed from anybody else being able to hear it except me feeling it. I don't oh, even yeah, hear I mean, it half the time if it's in my pocket or something like that. Unless my phone is on a hard table, I don't hear it vibrate. Right. It's not that strong. You know, I mean, it's not that hard to do. Yeah, um, and actually, my phone doesn't even vibrate anymore because I have my my smartwatch, so <laughs> that vibrates. Yeah, but even that, I turn off the light. There's actually like a, a movie theater setting on my watch so that it doesn't light up when I get an alert, and I turn that on if I go to a show. So not even my watch is going to distract anybody. Nice, that's very yeah. very thoughtful of you, Glenn. I, I try. We should I all strive to meet your example. <laughs> Everyone should be more like me. <laughs> Ooh, that would be a scary world because glenliness is next to godliness yes it is hey i almost <laughs> just kind of gave you a little uh, cross plug yeah <laughs> yes for my vlog which did not have an entry this past week but we won't get into that <laughs> yeah i saw your post yeah yeah anyway we're getting off track here so that's that's our top five audience distractions which does make it feel like maybe there are only five of them well because our top five's we're the same, pretty much. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> this is totally kind of different order. This is kind of weird to talk about as a distraction, but mm -hmm. uh, something you said earlier made me think of it. In terms of comedies and laughter, obviously, as a, a cast, you want laughter from an audience if it's a comedy or has comedic elements or jokes if it's a dramedy right. or what have you. I guess it can go both ways as far as distraction level to an actor in that sometimes you have laughter at inappropriate times. Mm -hmm. which can be yeah. distracting or, or or somebody who is less able to control their laughter than most and just like keep snickering about something or just can't stop themselves or once right. they get started then you know any little thing sets them off no matter how not really funny it is kind yeah, of a thing yeah. conversely i'm wondering in a way could it be somewhat distracting to actors if the audience isn't laughing i always whenever i've directed a comedy I make a point of telling the actors, like, sometimes you're going to get laughs at different spots and different performances. Sometimes they're not going to laugh because they're trying to figure out what's going on or they're paying more attention to the plot or the character development or things like that. It's kind of hard to predict. But yeah, I can understand. Yeah. I mean, it could be distracting. I don't know that every actor is distracted as much by that. I think, well, yeah, I, I, I guess it's probably more so the case of if – if you're kind of conditioned to expect laughs in certain places, great. But mm -hmm. if it just keeps happening or just comes in at random times almost, it, I think it probably does get to the point of some level of distraction. Yeah, I, I can see that. I don't know that I've ever experienced that, but I could certainly understand how that could be distracting. I've had audience members that kind of laughed at certain things rather than... It's not really making any sense because you're going to laugh at a joke. But... I mean, it's kind of along the lines of what you're saying, laughing at particular moments. Like, here's an example. When I did the one act, Flywheel, Shyster, and Flywheel. Right. As soon as I walked out in my Groucho Marx getup, people laughed. <laughs> now, I guess I was kind of expecting that, so it's not that great of an example, but there's nothing funny about Groucho Marx walking out onto a stage. What's funny is me dressed as Groucho Marx. 
coming out onto stage. I think it's, yeah, I think in that particular case, it's probably people who know you. Yes. Seeing you in the Groucho Marx getup, I'm sure that would be very funny in general. But also mm-hmm. the fact that Groucho Marx is such a well-known, iconic uh, yeah. stage persona, as it were, that seeing somebody else come out and do it is just kind of an anticipo- anticipatory, oh, true, this, is, true. G- this is great. Look at this yeah. guy. Um, it was pretty great, too. <laughs> it was the role you were born to play, Glenn. Yeah. Actually, I just thought of a better example. I've had certain shows where my character has a line that's out, very much out of character for Glenn. Okay. So when they yeah. hear Glenn deliver that line, they laugh, even if it's not supposed to be a funny line. But it's, it's, just it's funny on a meta level. Me. Yes. Yeah. But that's just... You know, if there happen to be people in the audience that know me well, right, would laugh at that. So, well, I had one on my list earlier before I was thinking of it from the actor's perspective, and it's mm-hmm. something that the actors may be actually kind of oblivious to, which kind of ends up being distracting to them anyway. Is if people in the audience notice something clearly amiss with something on stage, be it I don't know a costume, yeah. a set piece, a prop, whatever, mm-hmm. and they're reacting to that, and then the actors are like. What's going on? Why are they reacting this way? I have no idea what they're reacting to. So that's kind of an audience distraction that becomes an actor distraction. Yes, in a weird yeah. way, yes. Well, perhaps we should have top five audience distractions from the perspective of top five actor and then the distractions. Act- and then the actor realizes, oh, my fly's been down this entire 10-minute yeah. yeah. speech. Great. My big dramatic so, moment completely ruined. I think that probably about wraps things up for I us I think here. so. Yeah, so <laughs> thank you for tuning in. Next week, we'll have something. I don't know what yet. Maybe we'll have a little time to record something else tonight. Well, uh, So we may be Skyping again. Next we'll week see. will be uh, Christmas Eve. Oh, that's right. We'll yes. have to have our special Christmas episode. We'll have to be all merry and or yuletide. Yes. So uh, until that merry moment, I am Glenn. <laughs> and I am Jim. And you've been listening to The Backstage Show. See you next week, people. Bye-bye. I'm guessing we should probably explain to the audience that we're doing this over Skype to start with. Yeah. Okay. Faux show. <laughs> okay. Faux right, shizzle. Hi, I'm actor Troy McClure. You might remember me from such podcasts as the Star Trek Geeks and Cats Who Do Stupid Things. Hi, I'm Glenn. Hi, I'm Jim, and welcome to the Backstage Show. <laughs> Let's do it again where I don't sound like I'm asking a question. (laughs) Are you Glenn? I'm I'm Glenn. (laughs) Okay. These things must be handled delicately. I am good. (laughs) I shouldn't stare at your lips because it's a little bit of a delay. Oh, sorry. It was on my end too, I'm sure. Should I move I, my lips quicker? I noticed that. Yeah, you got to stay ahead of your lips or your voice. Well, that's something. Yeah. Peekaboo. <laughs> the hell was that? See you next week. We hope. All right. Let me. You can edit. Then. We can edit out the we hope part. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can try. Gulp. <laughs>